Welcome to Legal Toolkit, bringing you the latest legal trends and business initiatives to help you manage your law firm with your host, Jared Correa. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to yet another delightful episode of the Legal Toolkit on Legal Talk Network. If you were looking for the Lego Batman movie, it's out in theaters now, so check it out. And yes, I think we've reached the point in our history where the Lego Batman is better than the live-action Batman. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener. And if you're Danny Ainge, do not trade the 2017 Nets pick. Don't give in to the temptation. As always, I'm your host, Jared Correa. And in addition to casting this pod, I'm the founder and CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, which offers subscription-based law practice management consulting and technology services for law firms. Check us out at redcavelegal.com to find out more. That's R-E-D-C-A-V-E-L-E-G-A-L. You can also buy my book, Twitter in One Hour for Lawyers from the American Bar Association on iTunes, at Amazon, and probably even at Gabriel's Bookstore in Duluth, Minnesota, if you're so inclined. Here on the Legal Toolkit, we provide you each month with a new tool to add to your own legal toolkit so that your practices will become more and more like best practices. In this episode, we're going to talk all about the client intake process. But before I introduce today's guest, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors. First off, let's welcome our newest sponsor, Answer One. Answer One is a leading virtual receptionist and answering service provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800-ANSWER-1 or visiting them online at www.answerone.com. That's www.answer1.com. Scorpion delivers award-winning law firm web design and online marketing programs to get you more cases. Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours to attract new cases and to grow their practices. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast. This podcast is also brought to you by Amicus Attorney, developers of legal practice management software. Let Amicus help you run your practice so that you can focus on what you do best, practicing law. Visit amicusattorney.com to learn more and get started today. Today, for your listening pleasure, we've invited to the show Michael Chasen, who is the CEO of Lexicata, a CRM and client intake software for law firms. Michael is also the co-founder of LawKick, a marketplace for connecting lawyers and clients. He has an MBA from the Loyola Marymount University and his law degree from Loyola Law School. And at this moment, I would like to pause to uh, say RIP Hank Gathers. That dude was a beast, if you remember that basketball player. Michael's undergraduate degree is from the University of North Carolina, which suffers from not being Duke while we're talking about college basketball. Michael, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for the warm welcome and taking multiple <laughs> shots at all my teams. I appreciate that. <laughs> I do really like Hank Gathers. I just yeah. hate UNC. I'm sorry. I'll trade Hank Gathers for Carolina love. I, obviously, <laughs> your alma mater is a lot different from where you went to law school or your MBA. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll be better about that next time. All right, can I ask you some questions? Yeah, sure. All right, so we're going to talk all about intake today. So lawyers, I think, understand that marketing is important. That's been established. But what they don't do so well is like automating their marketing or tracking its effectiveness. So let's start like at the very basic level of what's the CRM and how does it work? Yeah, so you know, before we jump into the CRM thing, I, I just want to say that maybe your listeners are very well versed and educated about 
the importance of marketing. The <laughs> vast majority, yeah, the because obviously they're educated by you, right? <laughs> but the problem is, is a lot of people don't actually know that that's important. The vast majority of leads that are kind of sent around um, the system, so to speak, most of them are referral. So the vast majority of firms, especially ones that have been around for more than five years, were predicated and built off of referrals, not marketing. So a lot of people don't really yep. understand the mar- importance of marketing. That being said, the importance of a CRM and what that is, is going to be relevant to everyone, whether they're a marketing type of firm or not. So a CRM as its core stands for contact relationship management, right? So basically it does exactly what it sounds like, manages the relationships between you and your contacts. Now, most CRMs focus on just clients. Since we're a law firm focused CRM, we don't just focus on leads and clients, we also focus on professional relationships as well. So really at its most basic level, a CRM is supposed to enable you to connect effectively and maintain your relationships between you and whoever that contact may be. Yep. That's pretty good. Not bad. I think maybe you should write the Wikipedia page on this subject. (laughs) I'll do my best. (laughs) All right. So along a similar track, why is it important for law firms to improve their management of the intake process specifically? And can you describe some consistent mistakes that you see lawyers making in terms of intake? Yes, for sure. So first off, why is it important for them to improve their intake management process, right? What it comes down to is if you don't want to live a better life, you don't want to live an easier life, you don't want to make more money, then don't bother improving your intake process because it's just a waste, (laughs) right? But obviously, I would assume that nobody fits in that category. Everyone wants an easier (laughs) life, like make more money with less time or make the same amount of money with less time, right? Not everyone's looking to grow. But the fact of the matter is that's like, you know, I don't have a good analogy for it, but it, it's it's building what I always call is building like a sales funnel, right? That's okay, really what yeah. intake is, is building a funnel. And like yeah. with any funnel, if you want at the end of the day, every like molecule of water that you throw into that, you know, funnel or whatever to actually come out the other side as, you know, serviceable or revenue, like serviceable people or revenue, you need to make sure that that funnel is as the least amount of leaky as possible, right? Everyone that comes out means you're less efficient along the way, either less efficient with time or less efficient with money that you're spending on marketing. So Mm -hmm. at its core, the reason why it's important for them to improve their process is because not only are you spending more time that you're wasting, but you're also losing out on potential revenue, which will allow you to get to where you wanna be or be where you wanna be just with less time. So Mm -hmm. that being said, what are some common mistakes? I'd say. The most common mistake is not having a process at all. A lot of people, um, you know, I see this a lot with my friends that I went to law school with who are jumping in and doing their own practice. I see it all the time with our clients that are coming to us as well. Yeah. Is people come in and they don't have a process at all. We didn't go to law school to be business people or else we would have done the MBA like me. But we did. We went to law school because we wanted to practice law. And a lot of the times we blur the line between running a practice and practicing law because they're not the same thing. So I think the biggest thing is people don't look at their intake process like a sales process. And lawyers hate the word sales because they're like, I'm not a salesman. I'm a professional. You know, I'm a professional. You're, you're do, not. Yes. You're a salesman. You have to sell your services. You're just selling a different commodity than you would otherwise be selling if you were a different type of salesman. But you're still selling something. So once they get that through their brain that I need to sell, you need to think about constructing your sales process in a certain way. Because when you walk into an Apple store, imagine if you walked in and said, I wanted to buy a computer and they were like, okay, uh, yeah, we don't really know what to do now. Right. You'd be like, what the hell kind of organization is this? So that's, so I think that's the first thing is not having a process. Now the most common mistakes 
once someone actually has a process, I think there's a combination of two things. I think they either try to automate too much or they don't try to automate anything. And they're usually at two extreme ends of the spectrum. The problem with automating too much is you take the human element out of it. And the second you take the human element out, you take the trust element out. And for people who don't know, they've done tons of studies on this. And the number one factor why people decide to or to not hire a certain lawyer is based on trust. Trust factor is number one. So if you automate too much, you can still build trust, but it's harder to do it without any kind of physical relationship with a human being. The alternative is not trying to automate enough, trying to do everything by hand, trying to track everything on a piece of paper or spreadsheet, try to do every upload and every scan, and it ends up taking too much time. And what that ends up taking away from is one, the client experience, because they can't spend as much time, a little TLC, and they end up losing track of people, which is just a bad thing for everyone, not only from a revenue, but obviously, you know, you don't contact a lawyer and they contact you back six days later, never, you're not going to hire that person. Very well said. I think there's a plumbing analogy to be made with the leaky funnel. With the leaky funnel? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like, why bother in installing a, uh, a drain on your patio if the water doesn't funnel towards a drain? Yeah, You're just man. Gonna have a, a drain with nothing in it. How do we do on that one? Is that good? That's good. I'm feeling like something maybe with like copper what a tubing. Team. Call me. We can work on that. <laughs> it's your podcast, so you can have whatever type of tube. That's right. For this half hour, I can do anything I want. <laughs> exactly. All right. So, in terms of improving those, improving upon those mistakes that lawyers are making, what basic tips do you offer to the lawyers uh, you service who are seeking to improve their intake procedures? Other than like buying a subscription to Lexicata, which they should obviously do. Obviously, right? So there's tons of little things that they can do. Like I said, I think stepping back, and again, I think it always comes down to the core of like thinking about your law firm like a business and thinking about it as actually setting up a process. I think a lot of, uh, like, what, what do they say? When you when you first start spending money as a business is a way to over justify overspending. But what do they say? They say, <laughs> don't plan for the life you have, but the life that you want, right? Like, yes. don't purchase. Or, yes. Same type I've of thing. With, yeah, exactly. So it's the same type of thing with intake. You don't want to build an intake process that's going to work for two employees if you're trying to grow your firm eventually to 10 people with five lawyers and three staff and two paralegals or whatever they may be. So don't build your processes around that. So I'd say the basic tips are a couple of things. One, implement like a checklist, right? Whether it's on Lexicado or on a piece of paper or on your wall, whatever it is, come up with a workflow. Right. Like in your head, let's say let's take the example of like, let's say a family lawyer. Right. Someone comes in through a divorce. They have in their head from step A to Z what's going to happen through that entire life cycle of the client. Forget steps, you know, or whatever. Let's say steps one through ten. For, forget steps one through three of like meaning the intake process. But <laughs> steps four through ten are like I need to come in for a consultation. Then I need an engagement letter. Then I need payment. Then once yeah. I have payment, I need to collect their tax information. Then I need to draft a settlement agreement. Then I need to get them to sign. Right? There's all these steps, and everyone has them in their head, but they never write them out. And the problem with not writing them out is a couplefold. Number one is you can never improve on something that you don't conceptually put on paper, right? That's yes. like trying to write an essay in your head. It just doesn't work. So you always say, even like a speech, right? You're never, you're always going to write down your speech and then speak it, right? And you're not going to be, you're going to put it on paper first. So putting it on paper helps. Number two is building for the future. That head of yours only extends to one brain, which is yours. Everyone else besides that that's gonna work in your law firm is just gonna be guessing what the hell you want. So again, building for the life you want, 
not the life that you have. So putting it down on paper is going to be a big thing. And in the process of putting it down on paper, just like with that speech writing, you're going to figure out there's some grammatical mistakes. There's going to be some workflow errors. There's going to be some things that just don't flow right. And then once you put it down on paper, you can continue tweaking and tweaking and tweaking. So at the very basic level, the one tip I would tell lawyers besides think like a business and think like a sales process is put a checklist down on paper and figure out exactly what your workflow should be. Very nice. I, I think the modern strategy for speech writing, though, as I've seen in politics lately, is like collecting anecdotes from Fox News Channel. That's right. <laughs> yeah. At least. Fake um, news. Fake news. No. But I digress. Um, <laughs> yeah. So lastly, uh, before we leave this first part of the podcast, so what are some of the tangible advantages that lawyers can expect to see coming from an improved intake process utilizing these tips that you just talked about? Yeah, so obviously it kind of goes back to, we kind of touched on this, uh, you know, to some extent already, is the advantages of an improved intake process is is going to be a million things. I could literally list a bunch of them tangible and intangible. I'd say at its core, more money, right? So this isn't for everyone. I talk to a lot of firms, especially ones that are like estate planning or, you know, stay-at-home mother type of speak, um, or like, you know, a stay-at-home father too, or they just want to spend more time with their family. They don't want to make more money. They want more time. So both of those are going to work together. You can make more money with an improved process because less leaky funnel, which means more revenue. You can make more time, right? Because you don't have to spend as much time patching up those funnels as you go or trying to manually collect stuff later. Or you could do both, right? A lot of lawyers also like to look at things and say, I need to make more money. But again, they're not thinking like business people. A business person would say, I don't need to make more money. I need to make more profit. And profit's all about efficiency and lowering your overhead and making the same amount of money or more with less expenses, right? So so, so you're going to find some of those advantages of, of this. And then obviously just intangibles, right? Happiness. Like you can't put a dollar amount on that. So you're going to be like, okay, I'm just more organized and more efficient. And then also employees, right? One of the, you know, so much turnover happens within a law firm. A lot of the times just people try to find cheap labor. But on yep. top of that, it's just not that pleasant usually to work at a law firm. It's a high-stress environment. It tends to not be that high-paying for everyone except for the lawyer and maybe a couple <laughs> high-end paralegals. So they're getting like, you know, they're cutting a bad, a bad end of the bargain. But if you can make their life easier, your life is gonna be better and employees are gonna be happier. So overall, just satisfaction across the board. And then probably the biggest thing that I care about and I think law firms should care about more is client experience. And I think when I talk to firms all the time, they're like, you know what? I don't need this right now because I don't have high volume. And I'm like, well, you're completely missing the point because it's not always about volume for you. It's about client experience. It's like, you know, the analogy I always give um, when we we could talk about law kick and another conversation, but when we started this marketplace to connect lawyers and clients, a lot of the clients were coming to us and saying, I didn't hire this lawyer because I came through a tech website, found them, and then they sent me a PDF and a Word doc. That's like sent, that's like getting in an Uber that you ordered on your phone and then asking them to pay with cash at the end. It's just not a good process. <laughs> so it's all about the client experience, and that matters a lot towards not only your relationship with the client, but your likelihood of building your practice off of referrals. So I think there are a lot of ancillary advantages, but efficiency, time, and client experience are probably the top three, that I would say. Very nice. I could put a dollar sign on happiness, by the way. And if if Warren Buffett is listening to this podcast, he should contact me to find out. <laughs> um, all right. So we're done with the first half of the show. We're going to need a moment to take this all in. See what I did there. Um, but we'll be back soon with more from Michael Chasen, CEO of Lexicata. 
not getting enough cases from the internet or the kind of cases you want, Scorpion can help. Over the last 15 years, Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours to attract new cases and grow their practices. During this time, Scorpion has won over 100 awards for its law firm website design and online marketing success. Join the thousands of law firms that partner with Scorpion and start getting more cases today. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast. These days, law firms need to do more with less. Making this happen requires efficient, cost-effective tools that work the way that you do. Available as a desktop or cloud solution, Amicus Attorney Practice Management Software improves the organization of your firm and drives your bottom line. Visit amicusattorney.com to discover how you can join the thousands of lawyers who rely on Amicus every day to run their practices. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter Answer One Virtual Receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. Answer One's available 24-7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. Answer One helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call yourself at 800-ANSWER-1 or visit them at answerone.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. Okay, now that you know what to buy, we'll be right back. Oh, hello. Thanks for sticking with us through the break. So let's now continue our discussion with Michael Chasen, CEO of Lexicata. So Michael, getting back into this, at what stage during the intake process should law firms start to engage a conflict check? Yeah, so I think the uh, the the age-old answer that we always got through law school that pissed us off but we consistently say <laughs> over time is really it depends, right? Um, yes. You'd be amazed how few firms that are not over 100 attorneys or 50 attorneys even do conflict check, like very few. Um, yes, when most yes, people talk sadly. to us, they're like, do you have a conflict check system? And we'll be like, well, we don't really call it a conflict check system, but you can search by notes and stuff like that. And they'll be like, oh, I just want to search last name. I'm like, okay, well, that's not a conflict check system. That's just searching a last name, right? <laughs> um, so most firms don't even have a conflict check. Yeah. I think it's going to depend on their practice area, right? So there are a lot of firms that just like don't really run into that many conflicts, right? So like, you know, like business or something like that, if they're doing like basic business transactional work, there's not going to yep. be a lot of conflicts mm-hmm. that come up. If they're doing divorce work, that's where you start to run into trouble. So I think it really depends on the practice area. Um, yeah. I'd say always the sooner the better from an ethical standpoint. And this is really where some of these lines start to be blurred between like, are you a business or are you a law firm, right? Because yeah. the law firm ethics side of things would say the first second you start talking to them, you should do a conflict check. But the business side of yourself is like, well, that's the easiest way to disrupt rapport and not allow you to really build a relationship by saying, hey, let me put you on hold while I make sure that we can talk to you, right? It's not, <laughs> not necessarily the best experience. Yes. So I think finding that middle ground for what you're building around your system. And, and remember how I told you about putting that checklist system down? I remember that, This is a that, perfect yes. thing. You do remember, even though that was before yes. the break and a long time ago, <laughs> um, you do remember it. So basically, so basically the point is, it goes back to that point being like, you need to put it on paper and you need to fill out a time that works well in that process. Like for instance, if your normal flow is they talk to a receptionist then they schedule a consultation. Well, you should probably do the conflict check maybe be after they schedule their consultation or before, depending on the pros and cons of whether you want to do it. I'd always say like get them into the system. Don't give them legal advice or really take down much information and then schedule a follow-up call or something and just say, hey, we have to make sure that we're not, you know, that we're allowed to talk to you, whatever it is. So find your process. 
Honestly, I would just be, you know, spinning your wheels if I told you there was an exact space to do it. It's really going to depend for every practice and how you want to do things and how closely you want to follow the letter of the law, really, is what it pretty comes good, down though. to. Pretty good, though. That was a curveball. You handled it pretty well. What people don't know is I, like, curl up and take a nap during the break, and then, like, 10 minutes later, I start up again. Oh, um, yeah. I, I'm, like, four beers deep after the, after the break. So, I <laughs> so it's, it, oh, go it's ahead. Mainly cause, no, I was going to mainly say it was, to, it was to hide the pain from the, the bringing up uh, the Hank comment and then the Duke comment, especially. You know, it takes the, it takes the edge off, man. Sensitive you know? time of the year with college basketball. It's tough being a Tar Heels fan. I know. Um <laughs> Two championships in 10 years. I don't know. It's not that bad. (laughs) So this is a topic we've covered on the show before that actually has nothing to do with college basketball, believe it or not. Where do you stand on initial consultations? Do you think attorneys should charge for those or do you think they should give them away? Can I pass since it's not a basketball question? Do I start to answer it? <laughs> oh, very nice. Nice pun. <laughs> you can. <laughs> there you go. You like it. All right. Well, I'm glad someone's listening, right? So we're one, one for one. My mom, my mom listens to this show, so don't worry. Hi, Mom. Hi, Miss Korea. I'm a big fan of your child. Okay, so um, so basically, initial consultation. So again, this is going to be one of those, like, it depends. Certain practice areas really lend themselves well to paid consultations, and some of them don't. I'm a pretty firm believer that you should or should not be charging based on how you want to build your practice. Meaning, if you want to build a volume practice where you're going to get a lot of quote-unquote shit through the door and you're going to have to funnel through that crap, then you should not charge for consultations. You should yeah. talk to everyone that you can and scrape off the bottom of your boat every barnacle and you know crap that you can find. And you know what? You're going to end up finding gold. But you're going to have to sift through a lot of crap to get through it, which is fine. If you have good processes and you have good softwares in place to help you do that, it's not going to be that bad. So for those types of people, I would say not necessary to charge because you're just going to be getting a lot of crap and you're going to scare a lot of people away, right? Creating that really large top part of the funnel, right? That's going back to that funnel, having a very large drain that everything can funnel into. Now, the alternative is being like, I'm hot crap and my my drain is nicer than yours. I'm not (laughs) copper. I'm actually brass or I'm actually whatever. I don't know. Whatever is nice stuff. So basically yes. the point is, is I don't want crap going through my funnel unless it's good crap, right? And, <laughs> and, and so basically with those types of people, if you're like a one, two, three person shop and you're like, we work mostly off referral and we don't want to deal with these people who aren't serious, who aren't like really interested, those are the people that should be charging for a consultation. Because you know what? Mm. Our time is money. And even though I'm talking to you, Jared, for free, I don't know why, but I'm doing yeah, it for free. I'm giving away free information, right? But <laughs> but it's no, but it's okay to give away some stuff for free, like white papers and blogs. You're giving yeah. them a taste, but not the entire entree, right? You're giving them a little, little sample or a little appetizer, mm-hmm. but not the whole thing. The problem is a lot of lawyers who are desperate in a one or two person shop will give away free consultations because they think that they have to. But you don't, right? So it has to be kind of like, I know I'm good, and you have to show it to them. And by not giving away free services, that I think will end up being like a value add. But like I said, I think you need to define yourself as a firm and figure out, are you a volume firm or are you a quality firm? And you could be both to some extent, but are you quantity or quality? If you're quantity, you kind of have to do free consultations. If you're quality, I don't think you should do free consultations. That was absolutely the most fecal-related references ever ever in an answer on this podcast. So you know what? I was going to, I was going to, I was going to keep the profanity <laughs> limited. And then you started talking smack about Carolina. And now it's all. Yeah. Fun. Well, that's fair. That's fair. I knew we should have put you on like a three second delay. Exactly. Um, <laughs> all right. 
So, Michael, what's the best method for intaking potential law firm clients? Do you take them in whatever way they come in, or do you try to direct them somewhere, like phone calls, emails, fax, website chat, telepathic link? What do you think is the best way? Well, you know what? If you got that telepathic link, then the, you might have hit gold on that one. So I'd say I'd say go for that. Um, <laughs> Working but, on but it. I, I think you have to go with this in multiple strategies. Um, mm-hmm. I think your end goal should be shoving people, not shoving them might be a bad word, directing them towards <laughs> yeah. the funnel that you've created for them, right? So like, for instance, with Lexicata, we don't care if you call, email, text us, send us a message to the website, it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, you're gonna end up going through the same sales funnel, whether you went through one of those mediums or not. Now, that being said, I went away from the word shove because I don't want people to think that you have to force them into a certain direction. If you sat down and created this quote unquote funnel that I've been talking about so much and having your checklist and your workflows laid out in front of you, they're gonna naturally you know, drive towards completely going into that funnel. But just because if they call you and say, hey, I'm interested in talking to you about, you know, protecting my IP for Lexicata, right? Let's say I call your law firm, Jared, and I say, hey, Jared, I heard you on this podcast. You guys are awesome. Can you help me with IP? And then you say, yeah, sure. Let me send you an email. That's like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, that doesn't make any (laughs) sense, right? It's just like, be human, right? A lot of people just forget to be human and do what's natural. Like, if if it feels unnatural, you're doing it wrong. So what you might want to do is like, hey, yeah, sure. Let's talk about it for a minute. I've got about five minutes. I always like to do this, like kind of put like a like a stopper so that it don't take up 45 minutes of your time without being a paid consultation or without having some sort of like serious um, like follow up type of thing. So I say, you know what? I've got about five minutes until I'm walking into a meeting. I love to chat with you. Let's get something on the calendar. Let's say my next thing I want to do is set up a phone consultation or in person say, let's set up like an in-person thing and then let's talk for a couple of minutes. And then that way, when we have to go, we can end it right there. But at least we have something followed up with. Right. That's what, you know, that's what it always goes down, whatever funnel you have. If the next thing is you want to get them into an email campaign, then you say, okay, you don't have to tell them, email me. You can say, hey, let me take down your email. I've got some really good information that I think will be useful for you for IP related stuff. I think you'll find it really useful while you're evaluating whether, you know, finding a lawyer is the right fit for you right now. And they'll say, okay, great. If you tell them I'm going to send you marketing materials, they're like, please don't. But if you tell them I'm going to send you helpful stuff, they're happy to do it. So again, do whatever is natural and they will eventually funnel into whatever flow you've created because that's what you've built for yourself and that's where you want them to go. It's kind of like in basketball. If you, you know, you create like a trap for them in the backcourt, right? Let's go back to the basketball. You create a trap in the backcourt, you want them to go to the north side of the court, not the south side of the court. So you basically, even though you don't tell them where to go, you basically through your actions direct them where you want them to be. Very nice. I like how you brought it back there. That was impressive. This is, I feel like this is, we're vibing right now, Jared. This is good. (laughs) I know. Unfortunately, this is the last question. Oh, man. Maybe we'll do this again sometime. Let's talk a little bit about software. So, is it appropriate to use a standalone intake program or is it more advisable to integrate that system with other programs? You guys integrate with Clio. Now, if integration is the more advisable method, which types of systems should an intake tool be linked to? Got it. So there aren't that many intake tools on the market. Um, We're one of the few. I'd like to say we're number one. Uh, We have a lot of great partnerships with the ABA and different things that'll kind of show you that we're the most popular. So obviously, I'm going to say use us as an intake tool. Now, that being said, (laughs) there are plenty of tools that you can use. Like if you're a new solo starting out and you have zero clients, zero money to spend, 
maybe you don't need software immediately, right? That might be overkill for you. That being said, again, plan for the life you want, not the life that you have. So, you know, don't wait too long to implement solutions until it's too late. But find something that works for you. If it's a combination of Google Spreadsheets and Google Docs and this and that, or Lexicata plus Clio plus this plus that, whatever it is, find out what works for you. And a lot of putting down that stuff, that funnel and writing down what you want your funnel to look like will kind of help dictate what kind of softwares you need to fill those gaps. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not the worst thing in the world if you have a standalone product, but it's also not the best. Ideally, you want your software to have to be able to integrate with a number of different ones. That being said, for lawyers, it's pretty easy to do that because they're just, it's not like you're running Lexicata where we literally have like 25 different softwares that we use that we all serve completely different purposes. You're running a law firm, you could pretty much get away with using something like a Clio or any of their competitors, something like a Lexicata, and then maybe like one or two other tools like QuickBooks and things like that. For the most yep. part, you can get away with that, with the bare mm -hmm. bones. So you want them to integrate. Now, the word integrate can kind of be misconstrued. When I say integrate, I'm not talking about, it doesn't have to be 100% seamless integration where if like you add someone on your iPhone, it adds it to your Apple contacts, that adds <laughs> it to your Google contacts, that calls them immediately and does this. It doesn't have to be that crazy, but they yeah. should be able to at least talk to each other a little bit, like for us. So like it's all about building that funnel or that workflow to get them from step one to 10. Like for instance, if you buy a lead online, like we have some integrations with some like lead generation services. If you buy them online, it should funnel into Lexicata. That's a really nice, it's not a must have feature, but it's really nice, especially yeah. if you're volume yep. based. We also yep. have integrations with things like Ruby receptionists and different answer. I don't know if we have one with answer one or not, I can't remember, but we have different integrations with different answering services. So that way the leads get pulled in. And then same thing, that's part of the reason why we connect with Clio is because it's funneling from step one, two, three, four, and then yeah. pushing into five through 10 and Clio and then Clio connects with QuickBooks and LawPay and all this stuff, mm -hmm. right? So you want to create that seamless one to 10 process. Um, yeah. What system should be linked to the intake tool? I think an answering service should be, and we integrate mm -hmm. with, I think, over a half a dozen of them, um, most okay. of the ones that are used in the market. Um, so yep. that's important. I think your website should hook up. Um, so mm -hmm. it, again, it depends if you're like doing no referrals or whatever it is, it kind of depends on whether you need it or not. But it's ideal if your website can hook up, like we integrate with WordPress and some other different uh, website companies, so that way leads yep. can get pulled in. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna recommend this last piece with a caveat. Okay. So we obviously we we would ideally have Lexicot or any tool that you're using connect to your practice management software. Mm -hmm. the, there are two main problems with that. Number one is most of the softwares out there just don't have the technological capabilities to seamlessly connect with softwares like us, right? Unfortunately, okay. yep. legal is just it was built like there were some awesome softwares that are built 10 or 15 years ago, but they're kind of a little bit past the game now and they're kind of like time to put them to sleep because mm -hmm. they just have to move on to the new ones like Clio and some of the other ones that allow other softwares to plug in. So um, yeah. that's something that you should look at when choosing your practice management software is does it integrate with other softwares? Like, unfortunately, my case, I think is very good software, but they just don't integrate with anything. And you're kind of stuck in between a rock and a hard place of like, what do I do with this information? Um, mm -hmm. So that's one thing is look at that. And then also, and the last thing I'll end with is an overarching thing is be careful not to try to find a software that does 
everything. I think that's one of those things. It's like a rookie mistake being like, oh, this sounds really easy. I found the gold mine. They do everything. But a jack of all trades is an expert at nothing. And if you and if you do everything, you do everything not that good, right? So you want to find different softwares that are siloed, that are experts in different areas, like Clio for case management, Lexicata for intake management, you know, whatever answer one for, for your phone service and this or that and mm-hmm. the other, right? You want to find ones that talk to each other but are siloed because if you find one that does everything, they're not going to do everything well and you're going to be stuck and chances are they're probably not going to survive long term because in the history of law, I don't think you can point to one company aside from maybe LexisNexis that's been able to do like a lot of things at a high capacity. Yeah. Most of them die yep. off pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Boy, nice job mentioning the sponsors. It <laughs> looks like it looks like I might finally be able to buy that private jet this year. Excellent. Sadly, I know, right? That's going to do it for another episode of the Legal Toolkit. I'll be back on future shows, though, with further insights into my soul, the soul of America, and the legal market. If you're feeling nostalgic for my dulcet tones, however, you can check out our entire show archive anytime you want at LegalTalkNetwork.com. So thanks to Michael Chasen, CEO of Lexicata, for dropping by the virtual studios this afternoon. Michael, can you tell folks how to get more information about you, Lexicata, and LawKick, which we hadn't talked a lot about yet? Yeah, so um, you know, LawKick, it's just L-A-W-K-I-C-K. It's just a marketplace to connect lawyers and clients, good resource for finding clients. It doesn't cost anything, so you can definitely check that out. Um, we're not as active on that platform as we are on Lexicata, so if you submit an application, you're not necessarily going to hear back that day or anything like that. But more importantly for Lexicata, you can email me directly at michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, at lexicata.com, or you can feel free to go to lexicata, L-E-X-I, cata.com. Um, there's tons of information there. Also, feel free to Google us. There's tons of reviews online. Um, you know, obviously, you want to make sure you do your due diligence. And then for people who are still listening to this podcast and got to the holy grail at the end, if you mention uh, Jared's name and you do an annual subscription, then you'll get an additional $50 off. So make sure to mention that you heard about us on this podcast and you will get an additional discount applied to your invoice. Make sure that the person who does the demo with you knows about that. So Nice. Just don't make people spell my last name. You'll never get anybody. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Thanks, Michael. We appreciate it. Good time today. Michael Chasen, CEO of Lexicata. And thanks to all of you out there for listening. In closing, I'd just like to remind all of you, including sound engineer Adam Lockwood, that you should never, ever, ever fuck with Tom Brady. Thanks for listening to Legal Toolkit, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join host Jared Correa for his next podcast covering the current business trends for law firms. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.
If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.